Hey guys, Mark here. So we seem to have really bad luck as a podcast. And as you may have guessed, as soon as we finished recording this episode, we got the news that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was pulling out of the World Baseball Classic. So a lot of the discussion we had won't apply now that that decision has been made, but it's still an engaging discussion to have. So we're going to leave it into this episode. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode 253 of section 138. I'm your host, Bart Cawley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob, and we've got another week of spring training in the books. It's officially March, so we've got less than a month until opening day for the Blue Jays. Bryson, Jacob, how are you guys? You said it, Mark. When the calendar flips to March, we are even closer, or it is another sign that we are even closer to opening day, so... Can't be more excited. We have over a week now of spring training games under our belt. Full content to talk about, of course, and um, just getting closer and closer. It's definitely a good sign, and it's very exciting. Yeah, and it's we're now at the point where we have 26 days, including today, until spring training is over. I mean, it's a little bit of a shame that they're not finishing it off, I think, in um, in Montreal, but I don't really care at this point. I just want this, the the regular season to start, and I think that it's, it's, uh, it's looking good. Like, spring training, I think... It's it's not the most entertaining for most fans, but I will say that it is it is good for us to look at this and see who's performing well and what we can expect out of uh, out of the regular season. And especially after yesterday, we see Gosman. I think is uh, already in midseason form despite the elements. Yeah, we got a lot of first looks at a lot of players, specifically pitchers, this week, and that's a lot of what we're going to be talking about. But I think the biggest story, at least right now, as we record this on Saturday morning, is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Because he exited last game on Friday in the second inning with right knee discomfort. Um, the Blue Jays came out after the game, said it wasn't serious. It was a precaution and that they were kind of just taking the necessary steps to avoid a more serious injury. The Blue Jays come out today and say that Vladdy obviously is not going to be playing in today's game. is not going to be doing any baseball activity at all. But again, they're maintaining the same line that this isn't serious. He's not undergoing an MRI. It doesn't seem like a big deal for them. Obviously, it is a little bit of a setback, and it's concerning when anyone on the team experiences any type of injury in spring training, whether serious or very mild, and that is just um, heightened by the fact that it's Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and this is someone that is so important to the Blue Jays' success this season. Um, but I'm curious what you guys thought when you heard this news, whether you think it is a big deal. I mean, we're probably all on the same page with it not being... A huge deal, but it was definitely like the first stressful piece of news this spring training that we got. Things had been going pretty swimmingly for the Blue Jays up until this point. You know, we'd seen a couple injuries around Major League Baseball. I mean, the one that comes to mind is Gavin Lux, uh, you know, tearing his ACL running around the bases, and that was terrible to watch. And that's always the worst nightmare of spring training, or, you know, kind of a Marcus Stroman type situation where he tears it. Uh, doing PFP on a sprinkler or Michael Saunders type situation, right? Those are the nightmares that come to mind when you think of spring training injuries. 
thankfully, this seems to be pretty minor. Yeah, luckily, I mean, it, it's now almost 24 hours since then, and we, all we've been told is that it's not really anything, and so I'm... I, what can I really be other than just not nervous? It's not like I'm excited because... It, you know, but I'm not nervous because we've been told that nothing terrible has happened. And the knee, I think any lower body body injury for a hitter kind of scares me. You think of Josh Donaldson, I think it was 2017 or 18, maybe even both of those years where he just was not having the lower body luck. And then it just, it just made him not be as good. And he had that arm. Yeah. Well, the, that's the thing. Like with, with Guerrero, it's just the last thing you want to see is have him enter 2022 three expecting to have a much better season after a, a down year fluke injury in spring training and then boom season's not what you expect it to be but i'm not even going to speak that into existence all we can see or all we can say is that so far it looks like it's it's nothing crazy and i mean even yesterday i was talking to a few people um and they asked me they're like oh so what happened with guerrero because it seemed as if it was a bigger issue than it it turned out to actually be but yeah, all we can really do is wait, and I mean, he's not going to play today, obviously. It's spring training. He he knows his role. He knows that he's going to play 150 games, possibly, this season. He has nothing to prove, so just sit out, rest, get your reps in when you're ready, and then I think as of this point, we have nothing to be overly concerned about, and who knows? Maybe this is maybe him not playing gives guys like Brandon Belt a chance to play. I mean, I know that the Blue Jays are taking him a little bit slower just because of the injury. They want him to, to play more off the field than on the field or at least start more off the field but you now have some space I think you can fill and you got some young guys that uh, that could work there and I mean we'll see what happens but I think overall it's if for anybody that had their fingers crossed and and were just terrified you can probably breathe a little bit now like I don't think that it's going to be as big of an issue as we once thought and let's just hope that that's the case and let's hope that's the case with everybody I mean we'll get into this later there's a few more players that I was looking at thinking "Hmm, let's Let's chill out a little bit. It's spring training, but overall, the injury bug doesn't look to be killing the Blue Jays right now. Yeah, that's obviously the goal of spring training is to get out without any injuries. And I mean, Mark, you've mentioned uh, different examples with Blue Jays, of course, in the past. Another one, I think, came from, it was 2021 with Robbie Ray, of course. He missed opening day. Um, And then even across baseball, though, there's been a ton of injuries. You mentioned Gavin Lux. Of course, there was also the Tyler Glasnow news where it looks like he's going to miss the opening six to eight weeks of uh, the regular season, which is a huge uh, setback for the Rays. And then, of course, Seiya Suzuki uh, on the Cubs, I believe it's an oblique injury that he suffered as well. And these were both uh, injuries that they suffered not playing. I think it was in batting practice for both of them, or it was just some sort of activity on the side um, of when they got hurt. So... We know it's the obvious. It, it is the obvious, but everyone states it over and over again about how important it is to get through spring training without any injuries. Luckily, it feels like um, everything's fine on this. This was more of a not even dodging a bullet. It was just Vladdy feeling a little bit uncomfortable and taking him out of the game right away. And of course, that's when we got the tweet that he was pretty much walking up the right field line and leaving the game. And for me, the only problem with this like, that conflicts me, and it's not like a huge problem. It's just how this now intersects a little bit with the World Baseball Classic. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was supposed to leave uh, tomorrow, which would be March 5th, uh, for the WBC for uh, the Dominican Republic. But we don't exactly know what the status is of that. I guess there's no reason to be concerned that he won't be ready for the WBC. But if you're the Blue Jays, you got to be a little bit nervous on that part. Of course, nobody wants anybody pretty much playing in that tournament. But... That's the way it works uh, for some of these guys, and that's basically the only thing now where you kind of wonder, depending on how bad it is, 
is this something that lingers over to the WBC or not? But it just seems to be precautionary. I think the good news that we got yesterday, of course, we're no doctors, but the fact that there was no tests done last or last night or yesterday kind of shows you that if something was truly wrong, there would be tests done right away, and we would have known about something by now. The only update we've known about today, and obviously maybe some more stuff can come prior to the first pitch today, is that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was basically scheduled to, not scheduled to play today in Lakeland, but he was scheduled to do BP in Dunedin. That now is not happening, and he is now obviously further, or undergoing further uh, examination. So we'll see what any other news there is willing to share. It just feels like this was precautionary, everything's going to be okay. And John Schneider didn't seem overly concerned either when he said that yesterday. It was just a move that's precautionary. And it's very common in spring training. When something small, not even significant, is bothering you, you are pretty much out of the game. And that's basically what we see a lot. So luckily, that appears to be the case. Of course, barring any other news that we get that could come this episode that we can talk about later if anything comes up. But it feels like everything's all right with that. The only question I do have is, is he supposed to? Is he still going to be leaving for the Dominican Republic tomorrow, or is this something that might, you know, push a little bit into next week? And then, of course, the the WBC does start next week, though. I believe the first game is it's either next Tuesday or Wednesday. So you just wonder how that conflicts anything if if it does at all. So that's the only thing I guess I wonder, and we'll see what happens with that. I'm sure there's going to be a firm update eventually before that, and we'll we'll get an answer on what his status is uh, for the Dominican Republic. What do you think? Do you think they pull him from the WBC? I mean, it's not so much as a team like pulling him, but like strongly recommending that he stays at camp and putting a lot of pressure on him to not go. What are you thinking, Bryson? I don't know. I mean, look what they did with Kirk. He I know, his, exactly. His... Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the team. I'm sure they did the same with Jordan Romano yeah. as well when they saw the schedule of... Yeah, you know, you're not you're not going to Taiwan. Yeah, yeah, like I'm sure it's kind of the same type of thing where they, if they want to, they could put a lot of pressure on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to make that decision. For me, like, I, I'll admit, I, I don't think they want him going at all. I, yeah. I said it earlier. I don't think anybody wants any of their players going. But if it's minor, and it, that's what it appears to be once again, you know, I'm sure Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is going to want to go. Like a lot of these players that obviously commit to these teams really want to play. And then you, you mentioned the example of Alejandro Kirk where there was a strong influence. You know, you might not want to go play for Team Mexico after being here for less than a week and then coming back. You're going to be behind schedule. It made sense. That decision made sense for Alejandro Kirk, but for Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think if everything's okay and if it was precautionary, he's still going to want to push to play. And if that's the case, there's nothing really the Jays can do other than try and convince him not to. And I firmly believe they don't want him going along with anybody else. But I do think... Unless we get some sort of bad news within the next hour, I think everything's going to be okay for that. Well, it almost reminds me of, uh, and I know this is only spring training, but this gives me a, a lot of flashbacks to how the NHL and the uh, and the Olympics handle things. Because, I mean, I love it. I love when I get to see that. But it's very obvious that, that the league does not necessarily want the players and doesn't want the whole league to shut down for two or three weeks, whatever it is. But they don't want the players going and risking an injury. And... I have a feeling that they don't want Vladdy to go. I, I really don't think that. And when I think about it, I'm not saying going is going to re-aggravate this knee problem or is going to create a new injury, but look what he did with the uh, home run derby last year. Like, it's clear that his goals are set on this team and winning, you know, in the playoffs and, and beyond. I, I think he's going to go, but I really think there's a lot of hesitancy and there's going to be a lot of pushback and who knows? I mean... There's a chance he doesn't go, but I think that if it's up to him, if if he's able to play, then he will probably go. 
So that's what you think will happen. What should the Blue Jays do? Should they pull him from the WBC and keep him at home so they can make sure he stays healthy? Because I feel like that's a much more loaded question. Mm-hmm. I I don't think that they can force him, but I no. do think that they're going to... Sh- no. There, there's no I, forcing I think in this he's situation, gonna go. but yeah. should they mm-hmm. put pressure on him to stay? Like, should... Forget the realities of this situation. If you had magic powers, if you're Vladimir... Basically, if you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and deciding what you should do, should you stay at camp, stay healthy, or should you go to the WBC, have a lot of fun, bring pride to your country, and then come back to spring training? Well, if I'm Vladdy, the answer is yes, I'm going. But if I'm the front office, the answer is no, you're not going. Okay. And you, you as an independent third party, what do you think? Depends whose perspective I'm... If I'm... Okay, I'll I'll say it this way. I don't think he should go. Weigh the pros and cons. I don't think he... Yeah, I don't think he should go, but I think he wants to go, and I think he'll push to go. But I think he should should okay. stay you focused on this team. Although I do understand that, yeah, I think he should stay. I think he should stay, too. And if I'm Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I think I'd, I'd want to stay, too. I just, I look at where this team is. You know, I think this team situation is also a very important part. Like, this is a team that is ready to contend for a World Series and all of that. This is not a 70-win team that's going to lose or lose 100 games a year. I think... I just think if you're Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you got to be fully committed to your team, and I think that's your best chance of doing that is staying in camp. I just I think a big factor is where the team is, though, like in terms of the overall team, and this is a team that's supposed to again go the distance or at least contend for that. So if I'm him, I'm making a smart decision here, and I think I'm staying in camp. I'll disagree with you too. I I think he should go. Um, I mean, we know how much fun the WBC is. Like no one's arguing against that. It's a huge opportunity for players and it's a lot of fun and like yes there is increased injury risk and his number one priority should be this team but look Vladdy knows what he's doing like this is not like a I don't know like a Devin Travis type player who gets injured left and right and can't stay healthy right Vladimir Guerrero Jr. played 160 games last year he played 161 games in 2021 and he played 60 games in the shortened 2020 season like he knows how to stay healthy and stay on the field for every single Major League Baseball game of a season. And so, I don't know. I think we should trust him in that he knows what he's doing. He's shown an ability to stay healthy in the past, and I trust that he'll be able to do that in the future. And ultimately, this is seemingly a very minor thing. He tweaked his knee. It's discomfort day-to-day at this point. It's spring training, so we're hearing about it. I feel like if this was a regular season... We wouldn't even be hearing about this at this point. So, yeah, I still think he should go. Enjoy it. Have fun. Um, I'm going to have a lot of fun watching him in the WBC. He'll come back in a couple weeks. And I also think there is a benefit of getting, you know, real competitive game action at this point in the year. Like, that's something people who aren't going to the WBC aren't getting. Like, yeah, it's spring training, but in spring training, pitchers aren't stretched out. People aren't trying to win. It's a different environment in the WBC, and I feel like that kind of accelerates your process of getting ready for the season. I think you can learn stuff from that that you can apply to the season that you don't learn in regular spring training. So I'm all for it. I think he should still go. I don't know. Do you guys have thoughts on that? Well, it's an interesting point you just brought up. I'll just mention, like, quickly, not really too much to discuss. But, yeah, like, the whole competitive mindset, I mean, 
it's spring training. Like if uh, I, th- I don't know if I said this on the last episode or if I just said this to you guys, but if a guy goes hitless all spring training, nobody really cares as long as they get their reps in and they're ready for the season. But it, you got to hit or you have to be able to pitch and, and and compete in the WBC. So I I do think there's value. I just I don't want to sound like a like a like somebody who's way too anxious about this. But the last thing you want is that discomfort to turn into something else and then he's out or he's not what he could be. I mean, look what they said with Springer and a completely different situation. But last year they said that, or John Schneider said in most situations, he would have been shut down halfway through the season. Last thing you want is a, is a less than healthy Vladimir Guerrero Jr. When you are now, the expectation isn't to make the playoffs. The expectations to win in the playoffs. And and I think that I, I just don't want anything to jeopardize that. That doesn't need to, but yes, I will Definitely watch WBC. I think it's definitely going to be very interesting. There's a lot of really good players, but I just, I got to think, like, what do I want to see? The, the Dominican Republic win or the Blue Jays win? That, you know, like, no disrespect to them, but it's just, I would rather see the Blue Jays win. And, and if it means pulling the plug on this, I, I don't know. It's a tough situation. That's why I said, I if I'm Vladdy, I'm going. If I'm the front office, I'm saying, heck no, sit down. Yeah, I just... I just think the risk is too great, and I just think, I, I, you know, people ramping it up that early and everything like that, we talk about all the sports science or whatever, I just, I've never been a, you know, I just, I enjoy the tournament, I do, I just think there's a huge risk that comes with it, and even in Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s shoes, that's why I just, hopefully everything goes all right with him, and hopefully he has a good time, it's just that risk, I mean, if something goes wrong, if he's turning the bases wrong in Miami, and something similar happens, or something worse happens, that's something that could potentially linger on all season, and then that ultimately hurts your end goal, which should be a World Series, um, from what you were saying, Jacob. So that's that's just my only concern. It's nothing against the tournament. It's just the risk that's involved, and then that's why I'm against it. For Vladimir Guerrero Jr., and I'm sure the Jays obviously don't want him going. Regardless, we will all be watching the World Baseball Classic when it kicks up in about a week's time from now. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, with or without Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I hope it's with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, Okay, let's turn to another piece of news that we got this week. The Blue Jays are hiring the former Astros general manager, James Click. They're bringing him in as vice president baseball strategy. And this is kind of a weird story that we've been following since the start of the offseason where Click was essentially fired, I guess, six days after winning the World Series with the Astros. he either wasn't given a contract or he was given a one-year offer that he wasn't happy with. I can't remember the details there, but regardless, he didn't come to terms with the Astros and left after, you know, building a team that was the best in Major League Baseball. It was just a really weird scenario. And, um, you know, the Astros name a new GM. James Click is on the open market. And apparently, so we hear the Blue Jays move fast. They bring him in, Vice President Baseball Strategy. Um, to be honest, I don't expect him to be here for very long. I expect this to be a sort of Ben Sherrington-type situation where the Blue Jays bring in a top baseball executive who doesn't have a job right now, keep him in the organization for a year or two, learn from him, take in the ideas, improve the organization before James Click gets picked off somewhere else. Because, you know... A World Series winning GM doesn't just lose their job and never become a GM again. He's going to get a GM job or a president of baseball operations job or something like that somewhere um, across Major League Baseball because after 
the accomplishment that he just had with the Houston Astros, he's going to get that opportunity again. And, you know, unless something happens to Ross Atkins, I don't see that happening in the Blue Jays organization anytime soon. And so, um, yeah, I think he'll only be here for a few years. But bottom line, I think it's a great hire for the Blue Jays because um, he's a really smart guy. He's shown that he is not only part of an Astros franchise that, you know, whatever personal thoughts I have about them, they know how to win. Um, and bringing that into the organization, bringing James Click's um, expertise with that, I'm really happy with this and excited to see how it helps the Blue Jays in the future. Yeah, I think it'll definitely help them in the short term, but I, I don't know. I, I, I saw some people early on saying that, oh, Atkins is done. I really doubt that. Like, I, I you got to remember, this is somebody that Mark Shapiro personally brought on. I mean, obviously, the present, you know, things like that happened, but he, he, the two of them came over from Cleveland all those years ago. So I really don't think that they're going to move on from him. And I think that Ross Atkins has done a good job. I don't really think, I, I don't disagree with a lot of the things he's done. And I know they got a lot of hate and a lot of, of just, unnecessary criticism early on in their tenure but what do you expect you have no prospects and you have one of the oldest teams in baseball and what look what they made they made a, a legitimately one of the best teams in the league i mean proje projections wise anyways in terms of this move i really don't think that it's like like you just said i really don't think it's anything like crazy other than just helping them i mean he's gonna work with ross atkins and, and the other department heads but He'll definitely be only be here for like two, three years max, maybe one or two. But yeah, it it is interesting. I mean, I, I'm I'm not a, against it because it's not really a huge move. Like if they were bringing him in on a longer term with the expectation that he'll be the new GM, I'd say okay, well, like what's the the meaning behind it? But it doesn't seem like it's going to be anything crazy. It's just you're here, evaluate the talent as as kind of what his job is going to be. Look at what we've got going on and help uh, bridge the gap between what the Blue Jays made with before him and what they can do after that. Because, I mean, clearly he knows what he's doing with the Astros and with the Rays for all those years. But, I mean, both of those organizations have, I mean, the Rays kind of up and down, but the Rays are definitely a very sound organization. I think it's fair to call them that. And if he can help the Blue Jays, even if it's just for a year or two, I'm all for it. I mean, they're already borderline World Series contending team right now. If he can just help them go over the edge, then I think that it's it. It'll look it'll be a very underrated move, but it it won't be one that will go unnoticed. Yeah, it's a major addition to the front office bringing him in, and you talked about it with both organizations he's worked for. Regardless of what you guys do think, of course, what you were saying, Mark, it's just that these are two really well-run organizations in terms of baseball uh, operations, and of course, the Astros. The amount of jokes that I think came with that, and people not realizing that he was the one that came in. Uh, after I think it was Jeff Lunau, the old GM was fired. He came in afterward to clean it up, or at least you know the PR disaster. What came after that, and he was a major influence for the Astros the last couple of years. And of course, it's a team again this year that is in another position to potentially repeat. So we'll see what happens with that. But and of course, being with the Rays for that time and being there during that whole you know trash can I guess <laughs> controversy in 2017, he was still with uh, the Rays. So. It is an interesting end, to, or it was just weird how it did end. And basically, the the story that came out of it was that there was just a lot of um, differences in with it, I guess in terms of approach and strategy between James Click and then owner Jim Crane. They're just they didn't see eye to eye in terms of you know I don't know in depth what decisions there were, but I mean it's kind of hard to disagree with each other when you're winning a World Series. I find that part a little bizarre. So maybe there's more to it, but in terms of differences. You know, Jim Crane being a little bit probably 
disrespectful, bring you know, offering him a one-year deal to come back after he just won a World Series. And I don't blame um, James Click for pretty much turning that down and you know leaving as as soon as he could. So that made sense to me about why, and of course, a weird ending about how that did go down in Houston, only asking for one more year to come back. But you know, I understand the comparisons to you know Ben Sherrington, or he's only going to be here for one or two years. For me, I don't really care about that, to be honest with you. I just think that while the time that you have him here, regardless of how long it is, you know, regardless of what you think in terms of should Ross Atkins be nervous or whatever, um, regardless of how long he's here, get to know him. Get to know his approaches, his thoughts. Pick his brain for a year or two years. You know, that influence that he could have on the front office could be significant in terms of his thoughts, what he brings to the table a different perspective from essentially the outside um, because he's been, you know, this is his first couple days with the Blue Jays. So he's going to have maybe a couple different thoughts than the current front office, you know, open their eyes on certain things that the front office didn't have before. You have him for about a year or whatever it will be. And perhaps it's just another tactic for him to get a GM job eventually down the road. But in the meantime, use him wisely for that year and just listen to, I guess, all the, you know, the, the strategy part he's going to bring in or his thoughts. And I think it's really beneficial uh, for the organization. This guy won a World Series with the Astros, you know, took over the team uh, whenever he did in 2017 or around 2020. And he kept them afloat. He kept them going in terms of the amount of guys they've lost. Of course, they've lost George Springer. You know, they've lost Justin Verlander now. They've lost names, Carlos Correa. And they just seem to be picking guys from their farm system, um, you know, right after, like, like it's no big deal in terms of Jordan Alvarez taking over for George Springer, Jeremy Pena taking over uh, for Carlos Correa. And this team, even without Justin Verlander starting, is still an elite team. So they're going to be another team that's going to be playing in October. And a lot of that has to do with the development. Um, and, of course, that could start with James Click uh, from when he took over. And that's why it's really – it's just a really exciting and underrated move uh, for this front office, and I think it's going to benefit them no matter how long he's here for. Who cares? In that time, though, be sure to learn a lot from him and you know take his advice or whatever he has to offer, and that could essentially help the Blue Jays in terms of approach and in terms of, of course, continuing to build that championship-caliber team, as Mark Shapiro always says. Exactly. Um, the Astros are a very compelling blueprint to follow as a team. Um, outside of my personal thoughts of them, again, the way that they've gone about building up talent and acquiring talent and setting up a dynasty in the AL West is very compelling and the Blue Jays should look to them and learn from the blueprint that they've followed to see if they can do the same. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about spring training performances this week. So we got our first look at a couple pitchers. Uh, let's start with Jose Barrios just to go quickly on him. I'm not encouraged by his start. I'm not discouraged by his start. I don't know. I'm just kind of neutral on it. Like, I didn't see anything that really, really made me think that Jose Brios is going to be great this year. But again, it's the first outing of spring training. We're talking still February when he appeared. And so it's way too early to make those big assumptions about what he's going to look like this year. But I didn't see anything that really said, like with Yusei Kikuchi, where we saw him in his first outing, really said, this guy's different. This guy has changed something and it's working. Um, and again, it's spring training, right? Like it's tough to draw these assumptions. And we said this last episode, we'll say it again. Um, we're working on a very, very small sample size. We're talking about two innings with Jose Barrios. Um, so these things that we're saying 
are going to be a bit absurd. But with that in mind, um, yeah, I'm kind of just neutral on his performance. He gave up some hard contact. He was saved a little bit defensively by guys like Addison Barger. And his control seemed to be a little bit off. But again, first inning of spring training. So I don't know. I'm curious what you guys thought. I wasn't high. I wasn't encouraged. I wasn't discouraged. Uh, what did you guys think quickly? I mean, you mentioned the hard contact and the and the the limited command. But I, I, what I like about it is over two innings, no earned, two strikeouts. Like he was able to at least limit the damage. And it wasn't, uh, it, I don't think that it was bad. Like I talk about how spring training, I don't overly care about the results it's just about getting ramped up and I mean if you're Barrios you do need those results but I'm not overly concerned and just to quickly say like I think that it's a good building block to start and I know you're half the the players you're facing at this point are guys that aren't even going to make it to the majors this season no disrespect it's just kind of how spring training goes but I'm not overly concerned I'm not like it's it's not like I'm a at the top of the roller coaster like at the, the the height of my excitement but I'm I'm not by any means discouraged by what I saw and it's an, it's something to build off of and at the end of the day as I keep mentioning this his 7 year extension kicks in this year he better be darn good or else Blue Jays are going to be DFAing him cuz okay maybe not literally but anyways no they're they're not going to DFA him but he does need to be good because this team cannot afford to to have 20 million dollars a year locked up in essentially a below average fifth starter and I think he has the cap- the capabilities to be better than that I mean his entire career he's been better than that but just spring training I think that this is a good building block and obviously the off day today but I think that he will get a lot more work in throughout the rest of the spring and then I predict he will be ready for opening day and he'll be back to mid threes maybe high threes ERA when he's when it's all said and done I, I think this was just overall a good building block just to clarify Jose Brios's extension bought out his final year of arbitration plus six years. It wasn't year of arbitration then seven years. So he's the the extension has been underway, I guess you could say, since last season. Like he's got six seasons left. Nice one, Jacob. Are you sure about that? Because didn't he had one more year when he came in in 2021? Yeah. Which was and then he signed the extension to buy out a year of arbitration. Same thing that happened with Matt Chapman and same thing that happened with Paul Sportsnet told me. Oh my god. Okay. Well, anyways, um for <laughs> That's o- it's sports that told me. All right. Well, for for Jose Barrios, uh the X factor of this starting rotation, yes. You know, I think as much as you guys are right in terms of the small sample size, I think I'll be uh a little bit more optimistic than you guys. I just as much as he was falling behind a little bit early, the fact that he was able to eventually get a couple strikeouts and I just, you know, I thought that was really important for a start and despite the whole spring training narrative of the, of course of the hitters you're talking about Jacob he was actually facing you know the top 3 or pretty much the starting lineup for the Philadelphia Phillies i mean he went through Trey Turner, Kyle Schwarber, JT Romuto, Nick Castellanos, Alec Bohm, Bryson Stott and he went through a lot of those guys and those guys aren't you know scrubs or minor league guys that aren't going to make the team that's your starting lineup for the Philadelphia Phillies and that was a split squad game so you know I, i've always wondered on the side like Maybe that's a way of, like, how do you determine who's going where? And perhaps sending Jose Barrios to Clearwater that day because of that lineup, maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But I was just kind of wondering in terms of how they, I guess, put that all together. But, I mean, for Barrios, as much as, again, he was throwing a lot of pitches, I thought there was a lot of movement in with his pitches. And, of course, in particular, his sinker and his curveball. He was getting guys to, you know, a couple swings and misses. Not a lot, but definitely a uh, a few that you could take note of. And of course, there's one strikeout um, got a guy looking. I just thought his stuff looked 
all right in terms of the movement. I really was encouraged by it, especially from that. He wasn't really relying on his fastball strictly, and that was something that we saw a lot last year. So it's something to build off of from. Yes, it's a small sample size, but for me, I'll be a little bit more optimistic than you guys. I really liked what I saw in terms of just the movement. I'm not talking about the actual you know, results, and because he threw a lot of pitches to that guy or whatever, he looked a little bit out of sorts. You know, I think there's a point in spring training where you're not as worried about the results um, in terms of your overall box score. I think you're working on yourself a little bit more before you transition to that phase. And perhaps he gets to start one more before he heads off for Puerto Rico at the WBC. And I'll say this too, as much as I was against Vladimir Guerrero Jr. going to the WBC, um, I think it just feels like for a guy like Jose Barrios, like I think going to the WBC forum could be important for building his confidence up. And we'll see what happens with that. Of course, I don't change my stance on the risk and all that, but of course, it's something that is happening, and that is Jose Brios will be going uh, for Puerto Rico. I do think that there, he can benefit a lot from that, and that's going to be another thing where we're intrigued to see. As much as he won't be with the I camp, we are still going to be intrigued to see how he pitches for Team Puerto Rico. But, you know, w- there's tons of mechanical changes he did make, and I'm sure that was something that was noted even before the games did start. It's just, it felt like last year again where he just kept trying to change too much during the season and it really ultimately didn't end up benefiting him at all so he came into the offseason he made some changes clearly and that's what we did see uh when it start on February 28th and it's something that we need to see more of 100% and that still goes with Yusei Kikuchi but I can't be discouraged from the takeaways from that first start uh, against the Phillies. And hopefully everything goes well in his last start before Puerto Rico. And of course, of course, hopefully he has a good WBC as well. But I just think that the movement gave me signs of encouragement. And now he just has to be efficient with it. He needs to place it properly. He needs to have shorter at-bats, swings and misses. And he's going to ultimately, if that all happens, he's ultimately going to go back to that 2021 version that we saw of Jose Barrios. Yeah, and the... Uh... The baseline was set high by Yusei Kikuchi, right? Because Kikuchi comes out in the first start of spring training and blows us all away. And so our expectation then becomes, oh, if Yusei Kikuchi can do that, then Jose Brios can do that and come out and impress us all and we're going to be great. So yeah, it was uh, a high bar and uh, a high level to follow. And so I don't know, we'll see what happens over the rest of the Blue Jays spring training. We still got... Uh, you know, close to a month before the season starts, and the WBC will tell us a lot about what um, Jose Brios is looking like this year, even though he's still going to be at, like, what, 35, 40 pitches an outing, if that, if they push starting pitchers that far, because they aren't fully stretched out yet, but um, yeah, we'll learn a lot from the WBC for that. Um, Okay, uh, I mentioned Yusei Kikuchi, he had another good outing, um, had some good whiffs, he allowed a walk, but nothing else in two innings of work. In what was almost a combined no-hitter for the Blue Jays, they nearly finished the job until it was, what, Hayden uh, Junker? Junker? Right in the um, ninth, yeah. Yeah, in the ninth inning, gave up a hit. So they were so, so close. And then, was it yesterday that a team, the Cubs, got a combined no-no in spring training? Or it may have been the day before, but uh, I don't know. The, the I wonder if that's a... Again, spring training, impossible to tell. But I wonder how much the pitch clock is playing a role in that and those results. I'd be interested in seeing, especially once the season starts, whether offense is being a bit depressed by the speed that 
um, pitchers are working on now. I, I'm interested in seeing. But then we also got bigger bases. We got reduced shifts. So I don't know if we'll even out that way. Anyways, um, the other guy we should talk about on the pitching side of things is Ricky Tiedemann. Um, he made his much anticipated spring training debut for the Blue Jays. Uh, what did you guys think of what you saw? Uh, Ricky Tiedemann's that pretty much him along with a guy like Addison Barger. Those are your guys where you go into spring training and there's always a couple guys every year where you look at them and you say, okay, besides the regulars, who's going to be the guy that I'm looking at? Who's going to be the guy that is the so-called future of this organization? Who is the guy that there's going to be a spotlight on? And Ricky Tiedemann is, is that guy in terms of uh, the starting pitching. So, I mean, he came out of relief. He looked very comfortable. Let me put it at that way, too. Throwing out and topping out at 99 um, with his fastball. You didn't see that uh, last year from any of the Blue Jays starters, I don't think. Or there wasn't anything close to 99. And he was already surpassing that with all those levels. He was striking guys out. And it's just everything that he was advertised pretty much was shown in that outing. Um when he came on. So that was something that I really looked at. And of course he was blowing through, you know, I think he struck out Javier Baez and he, he, he struck out a couple of those guys on the, uh, the Tigers who were regular. So the fact that his stuff looked good, it was just really um, remarkable to see that happen. So, you know, we have the Ricky Tiedman watch. We've all laid out our, our uh, predictions. I'm not reversing course by all means. I stuck with what I said. I just, everyone keeps talking about it though, in terms of, When's he going to come up? And honestly, quite frankly, everyone has a different answer. A lot of people think earlier. A lot of people think around the summer-ish. It's just, you know, you know, if he's coming, if, if he's up here at some point this year, things might not necessarily be in a good spot in terms of the guy he's replacing in the starting rotation. So that's why I'm a little skeptical um, if he's up here earlier than that. And it's not like, and I, it's not that I don't think he can do it. It's just that, you know, if in a perfect world, if the team's in really good shape, there is as much as Ricky Tiedman is that next guy. You know, there. Do you really see a, a point or a, a reason to call him up earlier than anticipated? Of course, he needs to get more outings. You know, there's a whole discussion if he's going to start in Double A AA or Triple A. It feels like, as much as the word is, he's going to start in Double A. There's a lot of push for him potentially just to go right to Buffalo. And if that's the case, then there's going to be a very, very significant chance you're going to see him at some point this year. And a lot of people make the same comparisons in terms of a left-handed Alec Manoa, um, perhaps a similar timeline. We don't know, but his stuff is remarkable when he came out and he was just blowing by guys like Javier Baez as much as he, you know, Javier Baez struck out how many times last year. Just the confidence from him on that. And of course, in relation to Kikuchi, another thing where he's just coming out attacking the zone. And there's lots of pitch clock uh, comparisons in terms of that. If that's going to help a guy like Yusei Kikuchi, clearly it is. And he's also acknowledged that it has. It gets him in rhythm. And I do think it's throwing off hitters a little bit right now. It's an adjustment period. I do think they are going to eventually adapt to it. But you're seeing this all across baseball. And I think there was a, don't remember the exact guys, but there was a Yankees and Pirates game um, a couple days ago. And there was a strikeout in 20 seconds. And then if you look at Max Scherzer as well in the New York Mets, He's striking out guys in 20 seconds as well, 20, 30 seconds. So clearly right now, by the early indications of this pitch clock, it feels like the pitchers have the advantage in terms of that. And there's been, you know, there's been also a lot of cases where a hitter's kind of stepping out of the box, but forgetting about the pitch clock. I saw a clip of Carlos Correa a couple days ago. He stepped out of the box and all of a sudden he was about to take his gloves off. And all of a sudden he sprinted right back into the box and a pitch was thrown. So those are early indications of, who definitely has the advantage, that's been a talk. But for me, in terms of an eye test, I just think right now the pitchers 
have that early advantage. A guy like Yusei Kikuchi is taking advantage of it. And for a guy like Kikuchi, seeing Ricky Tiedman behind you, seeing other guys that you're battling with, you know, that's got to motivate you a little bit more as well to come into this year and bounce back because that fifth spot, of course, is his out of the spring. And there's going to be a lot of telling in terms of Yusei Kikuchi's performance and if Ricky Tiedman's coming up in a perfect world, barring any injuries. So that's just going to be a topic of going back to Ricky uh, all season long in terms of when he's going to be calling up or called up. We have a Ricky Tiedman watch clip. And I think that's something that we're going to be monitoring very closely as well, even when he does start in the minors. We're going to be tracking his starts, and we're going to be talking about this all season long. So we'll see what happens with that. But for me, based off what I've heard, everyone has a different answer in terms of when Ricky Tiedman is going to eventually be called up. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like with spring training, no matter how good he is, no matter how good a lot of these younger players are, like there's not really much that any of them can do. Like the rotation... Both, like most of the team is pretty much set, but <clears throat> he did look very good. Like I will, I won't lie, he did look good in his in his outing against the Tigers. But it's not one where like I take too too many things away from. I like yeah, it's definitely a good sign. It's 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 something where it's like oh yeah, the, you know this is probably the next guy in the rotation, the next big prospect. And I mean look what happened with Alec Manoa. He's arguably the ace of the staff. And I'm not saying that Ricky Tiedemann's immediately going to become that, but. It looked good. Here, he looked good. And I think that, yeah, I mean, I like what you said about how if he comes up early, then it's a bad sign because then the team's not doing well. I think that makes sense. And I mean that in no disrespect to Ricky. I just think that's yeah where the organization sits right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in an ideal world, you have a one of the one of the best one through four in the league and potentially one of the best one through five in the league if Kikuchi and Brios can do well. But I yeah I, I'm not really gonna change anything. I still think he's gonna come up. What did I say? July mid. I think I said mid July. Whatever it was. But I think you were the earliest actually out of us. Yeah, you were early July. I think. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Er, but uh, yeah, I don't think it's gonna change. I think it's no way he comes up before Canada Day, unless something bad happens. Like unless they desperately need a pitcher. But he's definitely making a case to go straight to AAA. Go and he, if this was a 2017 or 18 team, I think. You can maybe make the case for him starting, starting somewhere in the on the major league roster. Maybe he starts in the bullpen. I although I kind of doubt it, but you know he starts somewhere just to get into the rotation. But no, I like, I I think he he's gonna have a very good career. He's gonna have a, he's gonna have a good season this season wherever he plays. But in terms of coming up to the major leagues, I I don't think that like it's out of his control essentially, which is unfortunate. There's not really much he can do other than just prove to the team why if you're going to make a run for the playoffs you need me down the stretch but in terms of in terms of spring training he's making a case to to uh the Blue Jays that he is going to come up a lot sooner than a lot of people think. Yep. I agree with uh everything you guys said. I think this was more a revelation for the fans in this outing than like the organization. I don't think it changes much for the organization cuz they saw what they've been seeing all spring, but I think it was really a showcase for the fans to kind of have a moment of recognition. Okay, this guy is this good. This is what his pitches look like. This is what it looks like when he's attacking a hitter and at the top of his game. Um, just a quick update on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, he underwent an MRI on his knee last night that revealed some minor inflammation but no structural damage. Um, and the Blue Jays said they'll see how he feels tomorrow and go from there. Um, it's more discomfort than a pain issue, according to the team. And he's scheduled to leave for the WBC tomorrow. So it sounds like that's going to be pushed back by at least a day if the Blue Jays are waiting to see how he feels tomorrow. Um, I got to be honest, this news is 
I think, a little bit discouraging. Um, the fact that he underwent an MRI is discouraging because it seemed like the Blue Jays were confident that he was fine and he wasn't undergoing an MRI and that I think they kind of reversed course on that. So this piece of news makes me a little bit more nervous about what's going on and it seems like a situation that could develop into something more. Um, do you guys have additional thoughts on this or should we smile through the pain and skip through to the hitter takeaways? Uh, it's just really quickly. I'm not overly concerned about an MRI. I think you're doing your due diligence at this point. Like the last thing you want to do is avoid an injury, especially in spring training or neglect an injury. So I'm not, I'm not totally concerned about that or I'm not, I'm not discouraged by that, but it's not the most positive news. I'll tell you that. I stick with what I said. You can't as, as much as it's fine. Like nothing's like severely wrong. You, you can't take that risk. I mean, if you're going to, especially if you're going to be playing nine innings and all of that, and you don't want this lingering into the, the regular season, I stand by what I said. I just, to me, the risk is too great. And I just, you can't, you can't let that get worse. I think that's the point is that's fine with what the injury currently is or the thing he's dealing with right now. But do you really want to further put that at risk in terms of the upcoming WBC? We'll see. Perhaps he feels better tomorrow and he's going to go off right to Miami. But I just think that it's not necessarily the greatest piece of news in terms of that. And that's why a big part of that is because of the WBC. Yeah, I'm on the other side now. This news makes me very uncomfortable. We've won you over. Uh, I, I think the tenor of the announcement is what gives me kind of the heebie-jeebies here. Because <laughs> yesterday the Blue Jays seemed perfectly confident that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was fine. And today... When we hear MRI, when we hear waiting till tomorrow to see how he feels, when we hear it's a discomfort issue or, or a pain issue and not like, I don't know, just all these things combined make me stressed out. So yes, I'm now officially on the camp that he shouldn't be going, which is sad, but that's the reality of the situation. Um, okay, the last on the pitchers is that we also saw Alec Minot and Kevin Gosman this week. Uh, I don't think there's anything too dramatic to pick away from them. Uh, Alec Manoa. Looks fine, Bryson. You look like you have your some thoughts on on your end. Well, no, I just I don't know who. Like, do you have anybody else that you were going to mention, or other than Manoa and Gosman, or not pitchers wise? No. Yeah, I just I guess I'll just throw two out there. I just thought um, what we've seen from Nate Pearson's encouraging. Uh, same with Yasper Zulietta, and you just you wonder like guys like Trevor Richards. I mean, if they're getting a little nervous, I don't know. I'm not saying anything, but if those guys are pitching well and Richards is continuing to struggle, I know it's early, but you just got to wonder how that whole last couple spots of the bullpen is going to shake up yeah um I'm not taking anything from Nate Pearson until I see him on the field my hope is zero my projections are zero my every thought about Nate Pearson is zero until he is on the field throwing a pitch and getting outs and nothing you can do will convince me otherwise there's nothing that will change my mind about Nate Pearson until I see him on the mound in a Blue Jays game getting out. There is zero. I don't care if he throws 110 miles an hour in spring training. Nothing will change my mind about Nate Pearson right now. I need to see him on a Major League Baseball mound in the regular season getting out before anything changes about my impression about him. For the interest of time, I will say I disagree with that strongly. I think he is uh, what we expected him to be in 2020. I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and be the next Garrett Cole. Actually, not Garrett Cole. He's kind of 
Justin Verlander. I, I picked a bad pitcher as an example. I'm not saying he's going to go out there and be the best pitcher in the league. I don't think that he's... I'm not here to say that I'm not, I, that I'm overly skeptical. Like, I think he's... I think the hype that I have is back to what it was in 2020. I think that he's... I know when I said this last week, when I said he's back, you're like, well, he was never here. So it's not like you can say he's back. But um, I think he's... I'll tell you what, I think he's going to be the X factor for this team, or at least a sleeper on this, sorry, sleeper, that's what I meant to say. I think he's going to be a sleeper on this team. I think he's going to be really good. I know it's obviously just spring training. I know he didn't pitch at all last season, pitched like twice or 10 times, whatever it was in 2021. He is back to being the, in terms of prospect importance. You can't I think be he's back, back when there was never a baseline performance. Okay, but like there was never was... a baseline performance. We've been hearing about this were... guy for four years, and it's but injury after injury ex... after mono after concussion after injury. <laughs> There's nothing you can't expect anything from this guy until he's pitching. But there were baseline expectations, and I think the indications show that he is on the right track to meeting those And those again. expectations have never been met. And, and Mark's never. point, about to. And Mark's point about to. he's speaking based off of like facts, like in terms of what has I have happened. four he, years here. That he's not a prospect with. anymore. He's not, right? So, and look, you, you mentioned a Justin Verlander comparison quickly. The guy's 40 years old and he's more durable than Nate Pearson. Like, what does that tell you? <laughs> I was just saying, I was just mentioning the best pitcher that came to my mind. I don't know why Garrett Cole was the first one, but <laughs> okay. you know what I mean. But yeah, he's got to get through camp and then we'll see, but. As of now, everything's looked good, but you can't blame Mark for what he stands anyways. Hold on. I don't disagree. I just think that the expectations are... Basically, I'm hyped again. I think that he's going to be good. Maybe it's just me wishful thinking, but I think it he's going to be good. Anyways, we're going to run out of time. Let's move on. Let's move on. It is wishful thinking. This guy has got how many innings in the major leagues? 33 innings in the major leagues over the last... Four seasons, 2020, 2021, 2022, three seasons. Combined with all that minor league hype, combined with a hundred and whatever, seven mile an hour fastball, and we've seen nothing. And I will continue to expect nothing until I see him getting outs on a major league baseball mound. And there's nothing you can do to change my mind. Nothing I can see in spring training to change my mind until he's on the mound getting outs in a regular season game. And that's the bottom line. Um, I, I mentioned Manoa and Gosman. Gosman, we saw, we got a glimpse at his revised delivery um, to, you know, avoid being called for a balk. Um, so he comes to a complete set before he begins his pitching motion. Um, I don't know, not much to talk about there. I think he might get more stolen bases off of him now that there's more clear start and end to his delivery which I guess could be a concern. And then also the bigger bases factor into that a bit, but I don't know. We'll have to wait till the regular season to see about that. We did see one stolen base against him in the spring training game. So I'm interested in tracking that when the season starts. Um, on the hitter side of thing, we don't have too many takeaways. I don't know. Kevin Kiermaier was a standout a little bit. Vladdy has been looking good before this injury. Um, Brandon Belt we haven't seen yet, which I think is a little bit interesting. I know he showed up late to camp and the Blue Jays are focused on getting him back to fully healthy because, you know, he had those issues last season. I think they're still maybe lingering a little bit or the Blue Jays are being cautious about workload and that sort of thing. I expect he'll be good for opening day. Um, you know, no concerns there. Then obviously the whole uh, Alejandro Kirk WBC and 
the the child um, controversy or waiting game, I guess it was for a couple days there, and now he's uh, not going to the WBC, staying with the Blue Jays, and um, you know, kind of getting a late start to spring training, but. Again, expect him to be ready for opening day. No concerns there. So I guess those are the kind of notes on the hitter side of things. I don't know who you guys saw that jumped out to you. Well, first off, I saw Springer. Uh, I can't remember if he was called out or not, but he had an attempted stolen base last uh, or yesterday afternoon. Buddy, it is spring training. Do not be stealing bases this early. Like that, uh, it terrifies me when I see players could just... I, I love the competitiveness, but things like that just, I think kind of scares me i think somebody in our discord and i somebody was discussing this i can't remember who it was with me it might have been one of you guys but it was yeah i think it was you and somebody else but thanks for the uh heads up or the shout out yeah (laughs) no but we all get a little nervous when we see that and i think i made a joke saying i'm sure springer's gonna be fine when he's half cyborg like he's definitely been repaired i i hope i know he said he's feeling like the best shape of his life i know a lot of people say that but i really do think that he is going to be a lot better overall when it comes to the hitting like that's really all I can talk about for Springer I just want to see him stay healthy and he's looking more athletic and I mean another one we kind of mentioned this before we started recording is the whole Espinal situation like who's going to be that second baseman that everyday second baseman or are they going to have an everyday second baseman because on the depth chart it's odd Whit Merrifield's kind of listed as as an outfielder also infielder primarily second baseman you got Biggio and you have Espinal that can play second base and I don't know I don't know who's favorite I in an ideal world, you probably have Whit Merrifield. I know he has a lot of speed around the bases. I don't know. I think that Espinal is definitely looking good. I mean, it's spring training. It's only a couple of at-bats, but 455 is not a terrible average for spring training. And I mean, call it grasping for straws all you want, but I, I'm not... I don't know. I, I don't think that he's low on the Blue Jays' uh, radar. I think that if if somebody's going to get an everyday job as of right now, they probably have to give it to Espinal. I mean, he has... This is like 2020, 2021. I don't know if you really count 2020, but 21, 22, he proved <clears throat> that, yeah, he can have his up and ups and downs, but he is a, a valuable player on this team. And I'll be interested to see. Like every other position, I think, is fair to say that it is set. Like literally every other position on this team, except for second base. And fourth outfielder. It'll be interesting. The what? Fourth outfielder. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, like everyday players. Like you're going to, like, you know who you're going to see in the outfield pretty much every day, except for. Uh, but anyways, what I mean is like, you know, Bichette, Guerrero, um, Jansen, Kirk, uh, Chapman, like, you know, where all these guys are going to play, but in terms of Espinal, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it, if maybe they do a platoon, I don't know. But anyways, that's like the last big thing that I'm looking at is who's going to take that everyday second baseman job. And I know Bryson has somebody that he wants to talk about, so I'll leave that for you. But, um, I don't know. I'll leave that for you. I'm not even going to okay. indicate what I'm going to say about that. But and I don't know. This is the one thing that I'm looking at. Who's going to take that everyday second baseman job? And is it going to be Santiago Espinal? Yeah, like I just I think the boring but true answer here is that it's going to be a platoon thing to start, and then you're going to give it to the hot hand. Like I just think there's not much thought into that. And you saw it last year as much as Santiago Espinal had a great first half. He was playing every day. Near the end of the season, they were kind of shifted a little bit, and that's when Whit Merrifield played well. So I think you're going to see a very similar situation. It's just going to be people fighting for the play, the playing time. And yeah, I mean, the player I'd like to pretty much call you out on is Kevin Biggio, because I think last week you flat out said 
he wasn't going to make the team or something close to that. I'll let you explain yourself, but I just I look at the week he had in right field. He made a nice double play, um, pretty much a sliding catch, and then throwing the guy out at first base. He had a, a two-hit day a couple days ago as well, and he just came off a really nice week where he was playing well defensively and offensively, and I think the point that it stuck out to me is that these defensive plays he was making we're in the outfield, and that kind of translates a little bit into that fourth outfielder spot. I'm not saying he's the fourth outfielder. I'm just saying increased playing time. If he shows comfort in the outfield and he's playing well, he could you know, find himself in a situation where he's getting some extra reps in the outfield um, despite what's going on at second base. So I just think uh, that's a highlight for me. He's got to keep that up. He's ha- He has to have a really good season, of course, or he has to play a lot better um, before a decision's ultimately going to probably have to be made at some point. So I think that's one guy... I'd like to ask you your thoughts on, and uh, I just think that um, other than that, though, going back to your question, it's going to be a platoon job for second base between Espinal, Merrifield, and Biggio. So what did I say last week? I'm pretty sure I said he's not making the roster. You said he's not, and Addison Barger's making the team. Yep. Right out of spring training, you said that. (laughs) Okay, well, to be fair. Bryson's got the facts locked and loaded. (laughs) Oh, I've been waiting, yep. So I I know people are high on Biggio, and I'd love to eat my words on this, but Unless he blows the team out of the water, I don't know how you let him have major league play. Wow, he's not wow. backtracking. You, st- wow. I respect it. I respect I'll it. eat my words. I will happily. I will say. I will be called the biggest loon, like we did during our predictions or whatever it was. Yeah, that's already been you given are to still you. the reigning yeah. biggest loon. Uh, yeah, we're not until okay, uh, whatever October. <laughs> so, okay, let me ask you this though: What do you have to see then for the rest of the spring? Like, what are you looking for for you to be sold on here? I'm just wondering. Consistency. Like, okay, go ahead. Consistency. Like you can't. The biggest issue, okay, I know he plays pretty much everywhere, like 2021 and 2022, kind of played everywhere, and I think that that did disrupt his his uh, ability to develop a routine. I think he needs to stay healthy, and he needs to have a, con- a consistent, he needs to show consistency, but also he has to have a consistent position. Like, don't say you're third baseman today, you're second baseman, you're outfielder the next day. Like, he needs to, I mean, obviously you're not going to do that with Chapman, but you know what I mean. Like, that's what he was primarily doing is, like, you need to have a consistent playing time, consistent uh, consistent performance, and he has to stay healthy. And I mean, obviously, the healthy is a little bit more his control. But I don't like the problem is is you now have Whit Merrifield, not a bad hitter, not a bad defender, can run the bases very well. Santiago Espinal, you know, not I wouldn't say he's as good as a, as a runner, but he's not bad. D- defense and offense are definitely I would say better than Biggio at least right now, at least right now. And that's the thing you have to outperform those two guys to to uh to warrant more playing time than them so it's kind of all i'm looking for but like i said i'll happily eat my words i'd i'd rather be wrong and have him be one of the mainstays on this team but as of right now i just don't see it okay well i just i I don't know what the i don't know why it's bad that he's established himself as a platoon player i mean if he can play all sort of different positions i think there's nothing wrong with that and I think that's also part of lowering the expectations on him of being an everyday guy. Maybe Kevin Biggio is a platoon guy who's not in the lineup every day, and that doesn't take away, that doesn't take anything away from him. That's who he is. So I, for me, I don't. That's not an issue with me in terms of platoon. If he can find outfield reps again, that's great. And I just think it also relates to Addison Barger playing eight games in Buffalo. I think he's got to, you know, play more in, in the minor leagues before a decision's made to call him up. I do think he will be up. Of course, that's something that we've said a lot. I just think a lot. Both from both sides of it, I think it's fine where Biggio is in terms of being a platoon guy, and I think uh, Barger needs more reps in AAA Buffalo before he is called up. But we will we will see him this this year a few times, one hundred percent. Just quickly, I'm okay with being a platoon player, but if the defense suffers because you're, it, it's not. 
but it, it's is quantity the over quality. Suffering? Because like we've seen so far in spring trading that Biggio is playing good defense. Let's talk about his double well, play. Yeah, it was it was good, it, or it's it's been good this year. But third base, he he's not going to play third base unless Chapman's injured. But third base, he was not good. Outfield, he's not playing third base. No, was not no. But my point is, is twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, it was shaky because he was playing everywhere. And like it's fine to say he can platoon, but if he can, if like I'd rather have a good third baseman or a good second or short whatever than Biggio saying, oh, I can play everywhere, just throw me wherever. Because at that point, it's just it's not as much of an advantage as you think. What? <laughs> no, what I mean is, like, if you're trying to argue that he's a platoon player, but every position that he plays is less, uh, it's it's less of a performance or less of a quality performance at each position, then it's not as much of an advantage as you think. Like saying, oh, I can play everywhere, but I'm not as good as if I were to play one specific spot is what I'm getting at. I understand what you're saying, but I don't think it's true because I think you save the the bonus of having that utility is that you have one extra guy who can play anywhere. And I think that sort of addition of options is worth it, even though obviously, like, yes, the quality of him playing, for example, if, if he's going in right field, the quality is going to be worse than if the Blue Jays have whoever's going to be like, let's say Springer in right field, the quality is going to be worse than Springer defensively yes and it's probably going to be worse defensively than if they had a committed outfielder out there if they had the uh you know whoever you want to call it, like nathan lukes or like whoever you want to put out in right field as the fourth outfielder the quality is going to be worse yes but the addition that you get from having someone who can play right who can play left who can play center who can play second who can play shortstop who can play third base on the odd day who can play first base on the odd day uh the the benefit of having someone who can do all that outweighs in my mind the cost of them not being absolutely a gold clover at all those positions in my mind so I think that's the debate we're having and I see where you're coming from but I think the the bonus and if he's able to produce somewhat average offense I think having that guy as a role player on your team and as a bench player works out great for the Blue Jays so we are out of time but we'll see this debate unfold as weeks Come in spring training, we got about, what, three, I guess four, three and a half weeks until opening day, three weeks. He played one game at third base last year. Okay, well, that gives you a Third base is just in the conversation there, yeah. Anyways, we'll see how this shapes up. We'll see how his defense looks over the next week, and we'll talk next Saturday about what that looks like. Um, Okay, as always, you can support our podcast by heading to the link in our bio on instagram twitter and tiktok you can also look at the link below this episode to a support us on our buy us a coffee page and b join our discord um which is a great place where we got tons of jays fans just chatting about the games and that's what you're missing you're missing those game day chats if you're not on the discord so i encourage everyone to go check that out um the other thing you can do to support our podcast is rating and reviewing us on apple Podcasts and spotify or wherever you listen, just help spread the word about what we're doing here. Um, okay, we'll be back in a week or so, hopefully with some more uh, definitive thoughts on the Kevin Biggio debate and other debates. We'll talk about it.